One, two, three. Hallelujah! Clap for the Lord. Amen. Let's all be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Look at your name and say, you sound pretty powerful. Amen. I'm just saying, you know, I, I don't know how many people are saying that hallelujah like that, but it's a it's the highest praise. And we say it around here like, like we are somebody. Amen. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes you speak like, wait, hold on. I'm, I got authority to say that. Amen. So I'm saying that like I am somebody. Amen. We are all ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? I mean, boy, you carrying some status. Come on, anybody up in here with me? You carrying some status. And when you walk in, you are carrying status. And so when you speak, others got to listen. Amen. You understand that? That God's put a voice of power in you. And so you can rejoice and just be thankful for that. Amen. Let's pray before we get into this today. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for blessing us, blessing us to be here this morning. We thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to sit at your feet and to receive fresh rhema from heaven. I bind the work of the devil right now in the name of Jesus, that there be no distractions, but that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you sent it to. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to the power of the Holy Ghost now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Church said amen. Praise God. All right. All right, look at your name and say, get your Bible out. Amen. All right, so um, we're going to get into this and we can just trust God for what only God can do. Amen. And it's Sunday and, you know, we just believe in preaching whatever God wants us to preach. And we're going to stay uh, in this place where we are confident and, and growing by the word. And I'm going to preach this message today entitled A People of Faith, A People of Faith. And so if you think about it, a people of faith, what is that? You know, uh, sometimes people use different words or you hear different words used or uh, whatever. But a people of faith, this actually defines us, us as who? As Christians, right? As Christians, this defines us. This is who we are. And so we are a people of of faith. And we're not people that know about faith a little bit or have, you know, had some experience with God a little bit here or there. This is a commitment. And so this is something that defines you. And so if somebody were to ask, you know, who are you? Well, you say I'm a Christian. You got to know what that means, right? A, a, a Christian means to be Christ-like. You know, uh, to be a Christian does not mean that I'm Baptist. Come on, somebody. It doesn't, no, it doesn't mean that I'm uh, Lutheran or Methodist or uh, Kojic or I belong to the a church on 34th street. Come on, somebody. How I many know you don't belong to a church. You belong to Jesus. Amen. And so you got to ex- acknowledge the fact that this is who I am. I'm a person of faith because there's a lot of people that belong to different churches and organizations that have no faith. They have no faith and they have no demonstration of this relationship that they said, well, most people, they don't even mention that relationship, but they just say, you know, um, They'll mark it. Sometimes they even mark it on the sheet. You go into the military. A lot of times they ask you, what's your religious affiliation? Some people, a lot of people say Christian. Ain't been to church since they were five. Amen. 
And, and it surely ain't acting like no Christian in the military. Amen. And so we got to understand this defines us. This is who we are. And look, let's go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll start in verse 38. Now the just shall what? So who's the just? Okay, the just are those that have been justified by Jesus, right? And so it doesn't mean that we're all these perfect people. No, we've been justified. And so that means uh, my bill been paid. Anybody up in here? Where you could say, say, oh, my bill's been paid. Doesn't that feel good if you're at a restaurant and then all of a sudden somebody comes over and says, hey, I just want you to know this has been paid. They say, wow. Man, I should order something else. <laughs> right? Well, well, Pastor D was talking about people leaving benefits on the table, leaving stuff on the table. Well, you know what you would get? You would have got a lot more at that restaurant if you knew the bill was paid. Well, I mean, you know that your bill has been paid, and so you ought to get all the benefits that God has for you. You ought to accept that payment and then enjoy it to the full. How I many know you can live an abundant life because your bill's been paid? So you, you don't have to be restricted and live a certain way because you came out of a certain neighborhood. Amen. Or you came out of a certain family or you know what? I can only go so far because no, there's no restrictions. But you got to be a person that says I'm going to receive everything. And so I'm justified by Christ, not by myself. And this is important that you get this at the beginning of this, because this is uh, one of the areas where the enemy tries to have people. Let's say Christians, I'm starting to, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, I don't know, I'm, I'm hearing that term, but I'm not seeing, you know, stuff backing that up. So I'm kind of wondering, like, Lord, is there another term we should be using? Because sometimes you could say Christian and then people will associate you with something bad. I say, oh, you're a Christian. Okay, yeah. you're probably not dedicated. Because, you know, a lot of other religions are more dedicated than Christians. They say, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you're probably not dedicated. Now, you say you're Muslim. A lot of times, they say, oh, okay, you ain't playing, huh? Oh, I can't get no amen right there. Uh, how come you see on, on, on even social media or the news or whatever, you see people attacking Christians. How come they don't attack no Muslims? Because Muslims will take you out. Oh, you know, how come we never heard that? We never saw that. I'll say, man, they went in there, man, and attacked the Muslim mosque, and they shut down, you know, no, because they, they're serious about what they believe, right? And, and, and so you mess around people going to other uh, countries and stuff that are Muslim countries, and they try to go in there kicking up some dust, come up missing. Ain't, ain't been found since, right? Well, they are known for being dedicated to what they believe. Christians aren't known for that. Christians are known as uh, an undisciplined group of people who don't really know what they're following because they don't act like the one whose name that they keep using. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that's you, that's not us, but that exists in our world. Amen. And so you find a lot of that. And so we don't want to be that. So. We are the just, justified by Christ. So those of us that are the just, justified by Christ, we live by faith. And so we don't visit faith. We don't talk about faith. We live by it. Now, when you live by something, 
what that means. That's a way of life. So that's not something you step in and out of. Come on, somebody. I, oh. You know why we have so much stepping in and out of church? Is people don't really understand what it is they're supposed to be believing. But if we realize we're the just and the just live by faith, if I live by faith, then if I'm not in faith, I die. Oh, come on, y'all. See, it's not that extreme for most people. Oh, I'm working on my faith. Well, how about you work on the air you breathe? So I want you to just work on it. And then, you know, don't breathe any on Saturday because you're taking that day off. And see how long you last. So when you start to associate Christianity like that, you're like, oh, hold on. I cannot step in and out of this because if I'm not in it, I'm dead. So this is a way of life that I'm committed to. And the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, you know what that means? Backslide. You're dead. People say, oh, well, how so-and-so? Oh, you know, he just in a backslidden state. He still loves the Lord, though. You ever heard that? You, you meet people and they say, how you doing? You know, oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, yeah. I ain't been to church in a long time. You know, I ain't been. But I still love the Lord. No, you don't. Why are you playing with this? Because what this says, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And so next verse. But he says that. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. Perdition is sin. So what does that mean? We are not the ones that backslide. So we're not going to be promoting no gospel of the backslidden uh, saint. That is not the gospel that we live under. So we are not of those that draw back unto perdition, meaning sin, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so we are not of them. That means, hey, I'm not a part of that group. Amen. So what happens if you're out in public or something? Who do you want to identify with? Do you want to identify with some Christians that are saying they're Christians, but they still go into the club on Saturday? I can't get no amen right there. Uh, you want to identify with some Christians that say they're Christians? Come on, somebody, but they're still packing out the wineries and all. Oh. Hey, you guys, watch out quiet. We're quiet today. I'm just saying, I'm talking about who you want to identify with, right? Like, like that's the group that I'm with. You want to be with that group that's, you know, saying they're Christians, but anything goes. You know what I mean? They don't want to. Oh, come on, somebody. They don't want to say nothing to their gay cousin. Oh, y'all, y'all don't want me to get into all of this. They don't want to say nothing. Come on, somebody. They're they going to let their cousin, because they love their cousin, come to their barbecue with their husband. Two men. Oh, yeah, y'all come welcome. Matter of fact. And then they're going to go support them at their wedding. Oh, I can't get an amen up in here. See, y'all. I wouldn't do that. Well, it's being done. It's being done. People allow on everything. They're not, they have no standards. They're just letting everybody do whatever they want. I said, well, I don't drink, but you know what? I know that's what they do. And so they're allowed to have it in my backyard. Really? Wow. You're just going to let them pull that up like that? You see what I'm saying? But what group do you want to identify with? 
And so what happens when you start calling out sin, then the Christians start talking about judgment. Oh, you're just judgmental. You're just judgment. You just, you're just judging us. Why? Because we believe in the word. Because we believe in the word. And then you got stuff coming out, craziness, where it'll be like pastors, well-known, popular pastors talking about, you know, I think we need to grow cannabis on our vacant land. Yeah, because, you know, we need to raise up our young black men and teach them how to farm. What? You're going to teach them how to, how about you could teach them how to farm by planting some vegetables. Put some corn out there. Come on, some green beans or something. You don't need to have them, come on, growing cannabis. And then what? Now you got a dispensary in one of the back buildings of the church. That, that's what this is all about, right? What, what this is is an attempt for Satan to take over. The church, which is the most powerful institution in the world. But the church is the body of Christ. Well, if we are the body of Christ, we got to follow the head. And so we cannot be doing stuff that Jesus wouldn't do. And so when I said, what group do you want to identify with? Do you want to identify with the fact that, hey, I am this group? Well, you better pay attention to what that group is doing. Because if you clump yourself in that group. So now as I'm continuing with this example, here's two groups of people. Some are Christians in name only and anything goes. And you identify with that group because you're a Christian, but they got everything going on in that group. But then there's some other ones that are 100. Matter of fact, they're like the Muslims. Oh, I can't get a, I can't get an amen right there. See, uh, see, when I start preaching like this, it gets people uncomfortable because they don't know what I'm building. I'm not looking to build a group of lukewarm people. I'm looking to build some radicals that are willing to sign up and go with this 100 all the way to the death. There is no way there should be Muslims more committed following a false God than those of us who know the true God. We ought to be committed and have a fearless allegiance to our God to be an example in the earth. But the devil has watered down Christianity so much that the standards are almost non-existent. Amen. And so you get into these arguments that really don't matter. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't say that we can't drink. Well, what is that drinking doing for you? Let me just ask you that. How's that working? It's probably just spinning up your money. And you're not getting any greater revelation. And here's what you're not doing. Drinking and going witnessing. I just haven't seen that. I haven't seen. I heard a lot of people argue about, well, it's okay. I can drink and all that. But can you take that little wine you got and go knock on your neighbor's door and just have a deep conversation about Jesus? All of a sudden you feel like your witness is tainted. Because you don't need to do that. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's what that's about. But if, if there's so much compromise, then now people are allowing anything. Well, this is, the Bible is telling us in just these two verses of scriptures, that's not our group. So if I got two groups and Jesus shows up now, let me ask you, which group you want to be in? You want to be in the one that is 
anything goes, maybe they got the biggest church, maybe they got the biggest facility, maybe they got all this type of stuff. You want to be in that group? Oh, you know, all of my all of my family, they love me. They get along with me because, you know, I don't say nothing about their stuff. Because I, I don't want to be saying nothing about their sin because I'm trying to judge them and all that. You want to be in that group or you want to be in that group that's 100? Because what's Jesus going to do? What group do you think he's going to go to? Hey, but what about your cousin who's been saved, said they've been saved for 20 years, but you've still yet to see any fruit in their lives? What about them? You think Jesus is going to go to that group? So I want to be associated with the right group. So when Jesus is looking, I want to be in that group where I am not a part of them who draw back onto perdition. That ain't me. I ain't in that group, Jesus. I mean, oh, you could be guilty because of association. That's why you can't be having people that are your friends. Somebody, can you let me get a ride? And they go rob a bank. You say, hold on real quick. I'm just going to 7-Eleven real quick. And they come running to your car with the cash register. <laughs> like, hold on. Bro. Hey, wait, hold on. And guess what's going to happen when you, y'all get caught? Hmm? You're going to say, hey, wait, wait, wait. Hold up. I'm not with him. He was in your car. What you mean you're not with him? You and him are together. And guess what? This was a plan. Even though you didn't know nothing about him going up in that 7-Eleven doing what he did, it's a plan. And according to the law, they're going to say, oh, no, that was a plan. So guess what? Equal punishment. Amen? So you got to be careful with who you are clumped up with, what group you're in. That's why I'm praying about this because I've been finding this happening here lately like, hmm, Lord, seems like a lot of Christians aren't really that. I'm not trying to judge them, but I'm just saying it seems like a lot of Christians aren't really that because they don't do what the book says. And so if you have a conversation with somebody and you start talking about Jesus and and you start talking about the word and you start talking about, you know, a structured life and talking about that. And, and they're not doing that. Instead, they come back with some stuff like, um, you know. Well, you know, me and my me and my girl, you know, we love each other. I said, praise God. We y'all married. No, no. Oh, no, I'm not. Well, we're not really trying to get married because you know what I'm saying. You know, we want to wait till we save up some money, save up some money. Wait, let me ask you, are you saved? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Then why don't you have some fruit from your life? Oh, pastor, but that's that's what That's the Bible. You, do you know that you're not supposed to live with your girlfriend if y'all ain't married? Anybody up in here know that? Or is that something that's foreign? And do you know if you're living with your girlfriend and y'all ain't married and you going to church together, you ought to be convicted. The Holy Ghost ought to be on you. You know, I've met some people that go to churches and they, I'm saying, dang, man, you still cussing like that? You got no conviction out of that church? Amen? Well, 
what group are you going to be identified with? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be in that lukewarm group. And I don't care. You know what? I don't care if I only got 10 people in this group and they got 100,000 in that other group. When Jesus comes, I want to be in the right group. I, I want to be seen in the right group. I don't want to be over there messing around, trying to fit in with some people. Why you want to fit in with people that ain't going where you want to go? Amen. You do not want to have that association. So we are not of them that draw back. We are not a part of that group. That group does not define us. I'm telling you, I'm on a mission to promote 100% commitment to Jesus. I'm, I'm on a mission, man, to push 100% devotion to Christ. That's not the easiest road to travel. I'm on a mission to where we can now have standards, standards that we follow, standards that we empower our families to follow. Amen. That we are Christians. We are people who live by faith. We are not in that lukewarm, fickle, non-committed group. You know what a non-committed person is? Is somebody who only does what they want to do. And so what does that mean? If I say I'm going to have church, then you're going to come if you want to. But when you're committed, you say, what is that that God is calling me to do? And so whatever that is that God is calling me to do, I'm involved. I'm engaged. I'm 100% committed. Well, what if it doesn't flow with your schedule? Amen. Have you guys ever played organized sports? If you have, then you understand something called practice. And then if you go up and you advance uh, in organized sports, like my son is playing college football right now, um, what I've learned is that he doesn't set the practice schedule. And what I've learned is that whatever he got going on, the coach don't seem to care about that. The coach is like, oh, no, no, we have practice at this time. And so whatever you had going on, keyword had, because your plans have changed. But we can find people uh, giving this level of commitment to other things. But when it comes to Christ, it's all that freelance, that free spirit, that type of stuff. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And so we're not those that are lukewarm, fickle, and non-committed. Let's look at this Hebrews 10.39 in the message translation. Let's look at it right there in the message translation. And so... But we are not quitters. Let me help you with this. Because some people will say they believe God, but then they get hit. You know how many people I've known that were with God, got hit with a trial and left God. Fell out. I haven't seen them in years. They were coming, coming to church, happy, everything. And then they they got hit with something that didn't work out the way they wanted it to. And boom, gone. Well, but we are not quitters who lose out. Oh, no, we'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. And so when you are a person of faith, you say, hey, man, I signed up for this and this is what I'm going to stay in. I mean, I got you. You should be at the place in your life where you say, I got nothing else to do. Uh, What if everything you wanted God to do for you, he didn't do it? Are you going to say? Well, that's it. I'm going to try Buddha now. 
because actually what we're in this for is eternal benefits. And so you do get some blessings along the way, but you're in this for your soul, for your salvation, for your eternity, so that Jesus will say to you one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's why we're in this. And so things may happen in this life, but you have to be a person of faith that says, you know what? I'm not a quitter. And look, quitters lose out. And so here's the other thing. You could be believing God for something. Maybe it's taking a little longer than you thought, but you keep believing. And the devil says, you better give up, man. You might as well quit on this. You know, there have been people that have been believing God for something and they were believing, believing, let's say believing for a spouse, but then they never quit. And then guess what? They got the spouse of their dreams. But the devil would have said, quit. Why? It's taking too long. But when you quit, this is what this word says, you lose out. So quitters lose out. And so it's like playing a whole game. Then in the fourth quarter, you quit. All the time you put into that is fruitless. And so we got to be those people that are not quitters. And we're not going to change. Listen, I'm going to encourage you to trust God all the time. I'm going to encourage you to be faithfully committed to God all the time. I'm going to encourage you to not be a person that is high with God and low with God. You have to always be high with God. Come on, somebody. You ought to be that person that says, nevertheless, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to trust you. Even if I'm facing something, this seems difficult, God, but I know you're a good God. I know that you don't have bad things in store for me. I know that the plans that you have for me are good. So I'm going to trust you. As a matter of fact, in the midst of this disappointment, I'm going to offer you a praise right quick. Amen. I'm going to offer you a thanksgiving because I know we say oh God you know you got people running around mad at God really you can be mad at the creator of the universe the one that could snatch your breath wait he could snatch your breath and leave you alive so what does that mean you will suffer and you will feel the pain of suffocation and then right before you pass out, he can let you breathe again. And then he could say stuff like, you still want to play with me? Huh? Come on. See, y'all don't think God has shown up and, and done some things to let people know the magnitude of his power? I mean, listen, if God wouldn't let people get away with talking about his anointed, he said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. He wouldn't let them get away with talking bad about Moses. Miriam got to talking bad about Moses and Moses pleaded with God. Don't kill her. Because he knew what kind of. You know what I'm saying? But we living in that church day now where, you know. You finding out pastors and them fornicating and, you know what I'm saying, having multiple affairs. And, and then you, and they still got a following. Huh? The worship leader is gay and they still got everybody love them still. Still following them. What? What are we talking about? Miriam got in trouble with God for talking bad about Moses to the point where God's okay, I ain't going to kill her, but she's going to have leprosy for seven days. Ooh, leprosy. 
And we got people running around talking about God knows my heart. Um, don't judge me, brother. Don't judge me. See, that's your problem. You preach in that Old Testament too much. We're under grace. But y'all didn't hear what Paul said. He said, because of grace, shall we continue in sin? He said, God forbid. In Romans chapter six, he said, he letting you know, listen, grace gives you access to something that you didn't deserve. So praise God. I didn't get sentenced to hell when I should have been. Praise the Lord that I didn't die in my sins, but I'm still alive and I've been given a new chance. And guess what? God don't even look at me through the lens of my filth. He looks at me and he sees his son and he sees his son alive in me. And so guess what? I'm not going to play games with this and continue in sin because of some grace doctrine. He says, I am the Lord. I change not. And so he's the same God that said, okay, Moses, I'm not going to kill her. But she's going to have leprosy. For seven days. Because she's going to have to know I ain't playing. Huh? And then you had another group of people who were talking about Moses, talking bad about Moses. And in the book of Numbers, uh, God said, okay, Moses, here's what I need you to do. Get all these people and everybody connected to him. I told you, you got to be careful with what group you are identifying with. Because in that situation in Numbers... God told Moses, I want you to get this person here and everybody connected, all their kids, everybody, anybody linked with them any kind of way and put them all over here on this piece of land. Now back up, get away from them, though. And then y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And God opened up the earth and swallowed them alive. Everybody. Amen. So which group are you going to identify with? Are you, are you going to be, see, don't let a Muslim outdo your commitment. Right. That, that, that's a shame. That's a doggone shame. The Muslim praying more than you. Yeah. And they praying to a false God. You're talking about, I ain't read my Bible in three weeks. But the Muslim is praying five times a day. Come on. And they got this level of commitment to a False God. And then you got Christians today. You know, I don't want to bug, I don't want to bug nobody. I don't want to go on no outreach because I don't like disturbing people. But how many know the Mormons, they show up at your door. Come on, somebody, because they are committed and dedicated. They show up and then they rode that little bicycle over to the neighborhood and they show up with that little, come on, somebody, little white shirt and a, a tie and they showing up two by two. And guess what? Uh, what the Christians say, well, you know, uh, I don't really want to offend anybody. But you know who else is showing up? The Jehovah Witness. Come on, somebody. Jehovah Witness is showing up in church clothes. Committed. Out there walking in the neighborhood. In church clothes. Showing up at your door. But Christians are like, oh, you know. I would talk. Well, I'm just going to uh, pray for my cousin. Just going to see if God would touch them one day. No, you need to witness to them. You need to talk to them. You need to let them know they need to get saved. They need Jesus. Amen. You just can't wait. And you can't let all these other groups outcommit you. Right? Why? Because Christianity 
has turned into entertainment instead of transformation. It's not been about transformation. It's been about entertainment. That's why churches right now, people of God don't want to hear the Bible be preached. They want to hear the music be played longer and they want the pastor to get out the way. And that's why churches get so full and packed out. But what are we seeing? See, it should be a lot of fruit coming from that many people. But then how come we don't see? Yeah, y'all in here with me. And so we, then that, that's why you see manifestations. You see stuff come out and you start saying, dang, you're a Christian. So what does the unsaved world say? They identify with Christians as lukewarm, non-committed people who are not dedicated to what it is they said they believe. But we cannot be like that. We cannot be those people. And so we have to be people that believe and, and we continue to believe and live by faith. But faith requires 100% commitment in order for it to work. So what does that mean? Decide what it is you believe. Sign up for it and go all in. Don't play with it. Don't say, I, I, I am leaning towards that. No, no. Go all the way in. And then now say, okay, Lord, I've made my commitment. Now you do what you're going to do. And so it requires 100% commitment in order for it to work. And our faith must be in God. So let me emphasize this. Our faith must be in God. As real Christians, our faith must be in God. Our faith cannot be in our jobs. Our faith cannot be in our family members. Our faith cannot be in our friend groups or our associations. It cannot be in any of those things. It cannot be in the government. Our faith must be in God. There's a lot of traditions, a lot of ideologies, a lot of theories, right? How many theories have you heard? Oh, it went this way. Well, you know what happens is, Cults spring forth from that. Amen. Cult, you know, that's how uh, the whole Mormon religion started. Right. It's that uh, Joseph Smith, man, he's a guy who went off and said he got some encounter with God. And here's the problem, because people won't simply follow God for themselves. They follow people who said they heard from God. But if you would just be one that says, God, if that's you, then you need to tell it to me. Because I see what should be happening up here as I'm preaching to you. It should be confirming stuff that's already in you. It should not be some foreign concept to where you're like, oh, really? Is that true? It ought to already be in you. And what's going on at this church should be pushing you to get close enough to your God to where you have discernment. And you're not easily deceived. You're not easily led astray with some false teaching or some false doctrine. If people would be passionate about their personal walk with God, they would not be following all these hypocrites. Because you would have enough discernment within you. And the Holy Spirit would say, something ain't right about him. Something's not right about her. You know, we hear all these things come out about these prominent preachers. But what is strange to me is that people still go back. They still tune in because of the entertainment factor. But the kingdom of God is not really concerned with entertainment. 
Let me know in heaven, they already got a dynamic praise group. They don't need our assistance. (laughs) And there ain't nobody here on planet Earth that can praise like the angels. And so that's not what's going to get us any uh, extra blessings when it comes to God and the kingdom. And so um, I want to emphasize that our faith must be in God, not traditions, ideologies, and theories. And so go to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And now, just as you, as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. So it says that. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. So what does that mean? We come up for salvation, we receive him, but what we must do is continue to follow him. Amen. Next verse. He says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. So I'm going to develop a root system. Now I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to continue and then I'm going to get stronger in him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth. You were um, taught. So the truth that you were taught, your faith will go strong in that. And you will overflow with thanksgiving. So stop right there. That's what I was talking about, that even when things aren't going right, you're still thanking God because you're overflowing with thanksgiving. And so you're not fickle. God doesn't have to do something wonderful for you, for you to acknowledge him and praise him. You're going to acknowledge him and praise him because he's God. Uh, Because he's God and the fact that you're saved and not going to hell, that's going to be enough. Now, he will do great things. He wants to open up and give you the desires of your heart. But he does not want a bunch of people that are fickle and temperamental with him. That's what got the children of Israel in trouble. They were fickle and temperamental. Instead of just trusting God and going all the way with God, they had complaints. I mean, you ought not be complaining as a Christian. Think about it. What you got to complain about? I mean, you're going to heaven. You got God's protection. God said, I'll provide for you. I'll supply all of your needs. I'll heal you. I'll deliver you. I'll do all these things. What you going to complain about? It ought not be anything. Amen. And so he says, you will overflow with Thanksgiving. Next verse. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. Now, I want you to put in, I want to just draw some attention to this. There's a lot of this going on right now. A lot of talks, a lot of people talking out the side of their neck. A lot of people coming up with some. How many know somebody could sound smart, but that don't mean they're smart. Come on. Somebody, y'all, come on. I remember we used to watch it. I think it was in Living Color. And that that, uh, one dude, remember that one dude was in jail? And he used to be in jail and he'd get on the phone and be talking all that, talking all these big words that didn't make no sense. Right. Y'all remember that? (laughs) But that's how people are today. See, they present it in a certain way and it sounds so good and it sounds so high that you're like, hmm, that was deep. And God is not saying that that was deep. God is saying that was distorted. So don't be giving them no accolades because they're using big words. Because really, it should be simple, simple enough for you to understand it. Imagine if you tried to use all them big words on your kids. 
they are not going to accomplish anything because they don't know what you're talking about. And so and that's what happens. <clears throat> and I've noticed also with a lot of preachers. Didn't they used to say the choir was the amen corner? Didn't, wasn't that one time? Is that something they used to say? Well, now they didn't. It's not just the choir. I've noticed they got like a peop, They got a group sitting over here. Y'all seen that in some of the churches? Where they got the people sitting on the stage. Anybody seen that? Or maybe that's me. They seen you got the people sitting on the stage on the side. And and they that's a I don't know, that must be the elite. The elite Christians. They sit on the stage on the side. Come on. You seen that? So the pastor's preaching on the stage, but then he got that elite group over here. They on the side, and what most of the time they doing something like that. Amen. Preach it. Preach it. And so I'm thinking that might be like, you know, the motivation squad or something. I don't know what it is. Uh, Y'all got to excuse me because I really have no religious background. Amen. I don't have no religious background. Uh, Come on, somebody. I remember I had to uh, do a funeral in the Baptist church and I went up in there, man. I was I seen the pulpit. I was like, okay, dang, what's all this? This big old wood thing, man. That thing was so big and wooden. And I sat down behind. I said, dang, I'm just this. This is almost like a little private office I got right here. I'm just but I was just kind of looking at some of the stuff. And then I noticed like. Over here on the side, then you go downstairs, and that's another thing. And then I learned, okay, the women can't go up here behind this big wood box, but they can only go down here on this. Where do you think that stuff came from? And Jesus is talking about your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Come on, somebody. He didn't say nothing about keep the women down there and keep the men up here. Amen? But people get spoiled by this they get spoiled by this stuff and so they can't receive and they can't flow in the anointing they can't get what god is trying to release how many of god can use anybody he wants and yeah i know uh first corinthians chapter 14 paul is talking about you know women are to be silent in the church and all that but people never study that deep enough to understand that this was a group of people that was so out of order, they needed some heavy instruction. It was like, I got all women over here, all men over here, and I'm preaching, but the wife's over here, and she stands up and says, hey, honey, what's he talking about? Imagine what I would say. If y'all decided that you're going to sit over here and your husband's going to be over here, and I'm preaching right now, and you're going to stand up, excuse me, honey, what, can you break that down to me? I'm going to have you removed. You got to get up out of here, man. You see what I'm saying? That was the level of confusion going on. That's why I said, you know, everything must be done decently and in order. And so, but that doesn't mean God doesn't use women and women have no power, no voice, nothing like that. Well, these traditions, come on somebody, they will lead you the wrong way. That's also like the gifts of the spirit are no longer for today. Says who? But in these churches, they got all this religious stuff and all this stuff going on and the power of God is not flowing. Why? Because of the traditions of men. So it's the philosophies. And so once again, it's like that's how cults start. So somebody goes off and they say, this is the way it is. But instead of people trying it to see if it's true, they just follow. And they just follow it along. And then they live their whole life thinking that way. Thinking like, for example, tongues are bad. Y'all heard that? 
Speaking in tongues, brother, that's not for today. The gifts and all, that's not for today. It, it, but the book of Acts never said that this ain't going to continue after we leave. The book of Acts says this is going to keep going. You know what I'm saying? And so that means it's a power that's going to be on display now. But we can't be spoiled. So if you are a person that gets spoiled just by somebody, even me, don't just listen to me and say, I love that because pastor said it. You better read it yourself. Don't be, don't be, I will not be your idol. Amen. I will not be anyone's idol. My job is to instruct you to get strong enough in this word yourself to where you can say, that's what the Lord said. And then guess what? God's going to speak to you and direct you in your own personal life through that word. And see, I've, I've said stuff over the years that, hey, man, I might not be available for you whenever you call. Amen. But God will. Then I have people back in the day say, oh, no, no, no. You got to be available because you're a pastor. So you're going to have brother. I'm not getting your call. What you talking about? You supposed to call me at 3 a.m. and I'm supposed to get that? Brother, you better be in the hospital. You better be in the hospital if you call me at that hour. If you call me talking about, Pastor, I was just I was just going over this Bible verse and uh, I just wondering if uh if I'm just wondering what that means. Man, I'm going to repent in advance. Because I might show up at your house because we got problems. Amen. But my point is, it's I have a job to do. But really, the, the, the gist of that job is to get you closer to God so that you don't fall for anything. Lee, I, I've, I've shared with you guys, hey, man, you know, you got to watch out for this YouTube and stuff that's out there. You can't just be watching everybody. You can't eat at everybody's table. Um, we give rules like when we go on mission trips and stuff like that. We go to the Philippines and all that. And we're telling, hey, don't eat this. Come on, somebody. Don't eat that. And then some people have been hard headed. They say, oh, no, I'm going to eat that anyway. They was just telling me about this when they was on that last trip. Well, one of, one of the dudes almost died. Brother got to eating something. They said, don't eat that. Oh, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And see, and that's the thing with just listening to anything. People passing. How many know people could pass you videos and all that stuff? Man, you don't know the contaminants in that. There could be some stuff up in there that can poison you. And so you cannot eat at just anybody's table. But when you got the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you that discernment. And sometimes he'll say, reject that. Don't eat that. And so if we get close enough to God and we identify as Christians, meaning we're really people of faith and we know God, we have a relationship with God. Somebody that comes talking some old stuff won't fall for it. Just like I said that that Joseph Smith, how the whole Mormon thing started. He went out and said, I had this thing and had this encounter with God and came back with the Book of Mormon. He should have known they should have known this is a problem. This brother came back with another book. God warns us about adding and taking away. But see, people don't know enough. And so what do they do? They follow it. And you know what's crazy about that? People will follow something that is false, but follow it with 
almost like unparalleled commitment. I'm talking about, you know, Mormons, they get all in your business. I'm talking about they, you know, some some Christian church. Well, we don't want to talk about the tithe because we don't want to offend anybody. So we put a little agape box in the back. We ain't put no agape box in the back. We need to teach you about the tithe so you can be blessed. But I mean, no, you have Mormons. They, they're talking about, no, no, no. We need your taxes. We need your taxes. Oh, no, no. I just, no, no, no. You, we need your taxes. And we're going to get that off, you know. And then they get into undergarments. I know you can't wear, you know, they can't just go like us. You know what I'm saying? We can just go to Walmart. We say, I need to pick up something real quick. Let me go to Walmart and grab something. No, no, they, they got special garments they got to wear. Y'all didn't know that. But they thriving, though. Buying up buildings. How is this? Because people follow other people who say they got something from God instead of going to God himself and asking God, I bet you one of them went to God and asked him, God, do I got to wear these garments? He said, no, I never told him. You don't need to wear that. Amen. If, If they got all these rules, man, they can't do anything. Can't drink coffee. No, you know, caffeine. They can't, none of that. They just all about, but I'm, I'm just amazed at how many people follow it. But, but what I do respect is that they are committed to what it is they believe. And that's what God wants us to do. If Christians would be committed to what we believe and stop trying to be so casual and fickle, then maybe the world will know what it is that we really believe. Maybe that what it is we really believe will be on display. And so don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and, next verse, and from spiritual pow- the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Next verse. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body so that all the fullness of the Godhead body is in Christ. That's all we need to be is in Christ. And we got the fullness, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I got all the power I need as long as I'm in Christ. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So when you came to Christ, you were circumcised by, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual Circumcision. So this is powerful. For you were uh, buried with him, with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Next verse. With Christ. Uh, dead from Christ. Okay, hold on. All right. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not cut away yet. Then God, who made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. And so this is talking about what happens when we come into Christ. Is that verse 15 or which? Okay. This is what I want to see right here. Verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities 
He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so what we understand is I used to be uh, under the power of the enemy. Amen. So anyone that was not with Jesus, you're not saved. You're living life under the power of the enemy. Right. It's like. You might want to do something different, but the devil tells you what to do. The devil's controlling your life. You're in bondage. You guys heard that? I'm, I'm in bondage. Well, how I many know when I'm in Christ, I'm not in bondage anymore? Amen. Come on. That's how God can bring deliverance and healing to a person instantaneously. Maybe it takes some steps or some procedure in the world to reach that level of deliverance. But in Christ, you can be delivered instantaneously because his power is just that strong. It's the real power. It's not the power of a a renewed mind. So people can have a renewed mind. That just means you think different than you used to. But that doesn't mean that that was a spiritual encounter. Amen. That just means that, man, you're starting to acknowledge that if I do this, these bad things happen. And so I don't want those bad things to happen anymore. So I'm going to stop doing that. Well, that's just correcting your behavior. But that does not mean you've been delivered and empowered by God. So what does this mean? So that means that, okay, I I was talking about the Mormons. And so for the most part, Mormons are good, morally sound citizens. Did you guys know that? I know, I know a lot of, met a lot of them. They're good, morally sound citizens. In fact, y'all ready for this? In a lot of cases, they're more morally sound than Christians. Man. But just because they are morally sound does not mean they have power over the devil. And so that's where the problem comes in. Because now you learn how to practice some religious stuff, but Satan still owns you. So your only way to live above the power of the enemy is to be fully committed to Christ and living a relationship with Jesus. And now that empowers us to live above the devil and not beneath him. Listen to this. We are not subject to him. He is subject to us. Are y'all aware of this? Do you understand that you are not subject to the devil? The devil is subject to you. Do you understand that you ought to never be afraid of the devil and you ought not be advertising what the devil is doing? One of the biggest mistakes that Christians can make is glorifying the devil and his attacks. Well, you know, the devil's going to come after you. But when he comes, guess who he's going to see? Y'all in here with me. Come on, y'all. Oh he's, oh, he's coming. Oh, thanks for letting me know. I appreciate you letting me know. Because when he shows up, you know who he's going to see? Jesus. And when your enemy shall come out against you one way, he's going to flee before you seven different ways. How I many know you walk in the revelation of this truth that I just read to you? You'll realize the devil's been beat down, shamed publicly. And that whooping he took, he is still hurting over that same whooping. And so when he sees me, he gets reminded of that whooping he took. And guess what? I don't want no rematch. He don't want to keep coming at me. But if I am one that says he's attacking, he can't stop me. He can't stop you. Why? Because he could not stop Jesus. 
And so what you need to do is focus more on what Jesus has done and not what the devil is trying to do. Uh, You can keep trying. But I ain't falling for it. Amen. Because now I'm able to live above and the devil is subject to me. So what does this mean? He's hoping I don't drive down this street. Oh, y'all anyway. See, we're about to go on outreach, and you know what? The devil's like, man, I sure hope they don't come in this neighborhood right here. Please, just stay off of it. Don't come to this street right here. Don't come. Oh. Now, Christians are like, they can go on outreach and say, oh, shoot, I hope we don't run into no witches or nothing. I hope we don't go down and mess around and go into the wrong house, man. It might be some old crazy person. I hope I don't get that one. That's not how it's supposed to be. The devil is subject to us. You start to understand that he's he's wishing he's like, man, I wish they didn't have a church in Marietta. I could take over this whole place. But God's got a remnant. And when God plants you, he'll plant you in a territory and you don't know that he plants you in that territory. So that territory cannot be consumed by the enemy. Come on, somebody. There's got to be a light somewhere. And so because we're planted right in the midst of all of this uh, religion, we're we're in the land of fickle, noncommittal religious people. We live right. We smack dab in the middle of it. But I believe God planted us smack dab in the middle of it so that it cannot be consumed. So that there would be some light, there would be some hope coming forth, there would be some uh, soldiers being raised up that are really ready to take on the challenge. And how many know you could dominate your whole neighborhood? Your neighborhood could be changed because you live in it. And so if we understand this, we, we understand that this is something God is doing and we want to stay connected to it. So we must be all in. And so once again, faith doesn't work without 100 percent committal. Now go to Mark, Mark. Chapter three. I'm going to close in a minute, but let's let's go over here to Mark. Well, let me see. What time is it? I'm not closing in a minute. I'm looking at the clock. All right. OK, I want you, I'm going to bring something to our attention. So we understand the story of Jesus and Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And we know uh, how he tells him, go get the, the, the cult, the, the donkey or whatever that's never been re- um, written and all that type of stuff. And. He comes riding in and you know the story, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest and all that stuff. But I want to point out something that's happening or that happened that's very powerful and we can learn from it. And so now Jesus is and seeing in, in the distance of fig tree. So he's doing all this work. Then now uh, they're going to leave Bethany and all that. And then but he's hungry. And so that just shows, you know, he wasn't just walking around in some angelic state or something. He was a regular person. He was hungry. Well, and seeing in the distance a fig tree covered with leaves. Look at your name and say covered with leaves. Come on, look, look at your name and say, he had on a nice suit. <laughs> ah, come on, there's something powerful here that we'll learn. He had on a nice suit. And listen, glory to God, there's some people out there, man, that, that you know, and they know how to look good. You don't know what's under that hood, though. And so and seeing in the distance a fig tree covered with leaves, he went to see if he could find any fruit on it for in the fig. uh, Back up real quick for 
Let's see. For in the fig tree, there you go. Now switch. The fruit appears at the same time as the leaves. Okay, y'all look at this. So this is not about me cleaning up. This is about who I am. Because the fruit is supposed to appear at the same time as the leaves. But when he came up to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the fig season had not yet come. And so what is explained here, what is expressed, and the reason that's in the Bible we can learn from this, is Jesus was not pleased. So sometimes people say he was not pleased because he was hungry and the tree didn't provide him food. No, he was not pleased because the tree looked like, come on somebody. And so there is something uh, called an early season where it bears fruit earlier than normal. So he thought because the leaves were there, come on somebody, he thought because the leaves, come on, he thought because the pastor had on a good suit, he had on a nice suit and he acted a nice way, he knew how to speak. He thought that the pastor was legit, come on somebody. So that way when he went up there to check on the pastor, he expected, come on, he expected some fruit because he saw from a distance, man, he looks like he got it together. It looks like, is that, is that a Christian t-shirt? Yeah. Is that a Bible he's carrying? Oh, okay. He look, okay. He's looking good. He's looking good. He's, he know how to say something. And I said, wow. He said, hallelujah, real loud. He, okay. He's, he must be dedicated. But then when Jesus got close, come on somebody, I'm just giving you a warning because Jesus is pulling up on folks. I'm just trying to help y'all be ready because Jesus is pulling up on folks. Don't try to front for somebody else because he going to pull up on you. And when he pulls up on you, he's going to see if your fruit matches your leaves. Come on, somebody. And he's going to see if your fruit is matching your leaves because if your leaves are looking good. Some people be running around here looking like the cleavers. Just everything. Boy, you guys are so straight and narrow and tight. Mess around, be at the house acting like Satan. Huh? I'm serious, man. And people, that's what people do. They put up these fronts. But how I many know oh, Jesus is going to pull up on you? And he's going to see if your fruit matches your leaves. And so with this fig tree, he pulled up on it and there was no fruit. So what he said, oh, no, you cursed. And nobody's going to eat from you again. And so what we see as we look at that scripture, we say, well, why did he curse it? Well, (laughs) he cursed it because it was fronting. Ah, come on. And so a lot of people say, I can't, you know, I can't be cursed. I can't be dead. Yeah, da, da. You know, Jesus is going to pull up on you. And he's going to see what kind of fruit you're working with. And if your fruit does not manifest, if it don't match your leaves, then you're in trouble. Because it's not what it appeared to be. It looked good on the outside, but had no fruit. And so this metaphorically illustrates the dangers of fruitless Christianity. Y'all better hear me today. This metaphorically demonstrates the dangers of fruitless Christianity. I'd be better off not looking like. Oh, come on. I've been telling y'all for a long time. It's better for you to go 100 for the world than to go 50 for God. 
Because you're going to appear to be a certain way, but the one who is checking your fruit is going to pull up on you. And if your fruit don't match your leaves, you're in trouble. Because how I many know the one who don't even have no leaves has a better chance than you? Because they're not even trying to play saved. They ain't trying to play. No, Jesus, you know I'm out here. You know I'm out here. I know they've been telling me I need to go to church, but I don't even feel like going. Well, guess what? That person has a better chance because when Jesus pulls up on them, he'll give them a chance to choose him. But when he pulls up on the hypocrite, they don't, they don't get no choice. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't even hear me. The one who is not even trying to play with God God will give him a chance to choose him. But the one who told everybody that he did choose him and he didn't really choose him, he don't get no chance. That's the ones where he said, depart from me, you workers of inequity. I never knew you. And so the reason that he cursed this tree is because it looked like it was supposed to have fruit, but it didn't have none. And so fruitless Christianity is very dangerous. That is Christian in name only. We've got a lot of that going on. That's why all these messages have to come out and I have to be the one preaching and I have to keep preaching because somebody got to tell the truth. Somebody got to understand because, listen, the, the, the tables are turning. Things are going to shift. And if you've been listening, when it shifts, you're going to be OK. But if you have not been listening, you're going to be in trouble because there'll be a day of reckoning coming. And so it's Christian in name only. But when Jesus inspects your fruit, and I would ask you this right now, when Jesus expects your fruit, what will he find? What's he going to find in you? See, one thing about me is I'm not a mind reader. I don't know everything about you. You could smile at me and tell me one thing and do something else. I don't know. But I tell you who does know. And his name is Jesus. And he ain't the baby in the manger. He is the sovereign king. He is the one that has come to divide the shaft and the wheat. And so we must be those people that are not falling for these things. And so there's this problem going on now with the church. It's this secularism. It's, it's this secular world trying to influence the church. And so what does that mean? They want to basically remove God out of all decisions. Don't teach your kids according to the word. Don't uh, raise your family according to the word. Don't do all these things. And then, matter of fact, let us just come in there. And so now you got people appearing. They'll just appear in the church. And then we would ask the question, oh, they got saved? Oh, I guess they didn't. How'd you know they didn't get saved? Because you heard the next album they put out. Because they couldn't have been saved and they came out with that next album. See what I'm saying? Because there's no fruit. And so that's just people pumping it in. I, listen to this, man. So I don't, I, I'll, every now and then, you know, you might go on, like we have Instagram accounts and stuff like that for the church. And so you kind of check on these things. But, you know, something will pop up. I've I seen this one dude. And, and he was a popular pastor. Uh, but uh, this guy, he was doing something. Y'all remember this song? Because they used to play this so when my kids played football with my son. But remember that song where he said, uh, let's see. All I do is win, win, win. Anybody ever heard that? This is old. We used to play that, get them motivated with football. 
Come on, y'all. Y'all know, no, Pastor, I never, it's secular. I've never heard of that. I have no, I have no connection or recollection to that. But he says something about it in that song. I put my hands up and they stay there. And they stay there, y'all. Okay. So this brother, now, if you play that for football kids and stuff like that, I ain't mad at you, you know what I'm saying? But don't try to turn that into no Christian song. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. that It's okay if you're going to do that to motivate the kids out there playing football, doing little games. But this brother played that part of his sermon. And I saw, I was looking, then he said something about Christians, all we do is win. And, and what was kind of crazy is that the crowd was like, mm, they felt it. They're like, okay. Let's go to the club on this one. Let's do it. Hey, let's go ahead and give me. I've been wanting to get it in. Hey, and the man started jumping up and down, and, and they was going off like this was practice. I said, wow. And they were singing, all we do is win, 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 no matter what. Uh, da, 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 huh? And they stayed there. And I said, dang. And that was at church. I said, wow. That's very interesting. But this is the same brother who committed adultery on his wife about three or four times. See, that's that secular influence over the church. And people still showing up, shoot, Sunday, man, church was lit. (laughs) Wow. Really? That's what we're doing now? We're not doing that. Uh, Jesus is going to look at your fruit, man. He's pulling up on you. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is going to pull up. Amen. You might look good from a distance, but he's going to pull up. He's going to see what you're working with. And you got to make sure that when he pulls up on you, he sees something legit. Over here, uh, I'm going to close in a minute, but uh, John 15. Go to John 15, 5 through 8. We'll go through this quickly. I got four minutes. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that bears... He that abides in me and I in him, the same uh, bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Next verse. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Next verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that they bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. And so if you abide in me and my words abide in you, this is the key to answered prayer. So a lot of times Christians don't know why their prayers aren't answered. Well, this is the key. You got to abide in God and then his words have to abide in you. So that's intimacy, intimacy with the father, intimacy with Jesus, a relationship. Look at your name and say relationship. Okay, this is not religion. This is a relationship. This is a personal. Look at your name and say, it's got to be personal. Oh, you got to go to God on your own. Amen. You got to go to God and talk to him in your own language. He'll speak to you. He'll help you. But it's got to be uh, a, a deep, intimate relationship. So you cannot have a legitimate relationship with Jesus apart from his word. His, this is for you Christians out there that don't ever read your Bible. Oh, you know. Hopefully you're not in this church, but you could be. Amen. But I'm not pulling up on you, though. But Jesus is going to pull up on you. 
And so you can have a legitimate relationship with God apart from his word. So you can't say, I just pray, you know, Pastor, I just pray and me and the Lord, me and the Lord are, have united. We just I have a lot of time in prayer. What's, what uh, scriptures are you studying? Haven't uh, been led to any yet, but uh, I'm open for whatever suggestion the Lord may give. You cannot have a relationship with God apart from his word. You're going to have to get in that book. And then, I know I said I'm closing three times, but I think I, I, think I have seven close. No, I'm just kidding. But really, uh, in closing, I said that, you know, that intimacy with God and his word, that's going to be a key to answer prayer. Well, um, the other illustration that we could see in the fig tree example is Jesus was letting them know the power of faith-filled words and prayer. And so Jesus spoke to the fig tree and he says, curse. Well, they came the next day and they were shocked. Jesus, man, master, the fig tree you curse is dried up from the roots. Jesus is like, what do you, what, do you think something else is going to happen? Because he was letting them know the power of faith-filled words and prayer. And Mark eleven twenty two, he just spells it out. And Jesus replying said to them and amplified, have faith in God constantly. So I want you to constantly have faith in God. Always go back to that. Stay in that place of faith in God. Next verse. Truly, I tell you, whosoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart. Stop right there. So if I say something, but I doubt it, what's going to happen? That's like you ever seen a boxer? Like one of them boxers that's bragging, talking to bunch of anybody seen. I like those videos. I like when a, you see somebody talking and then they get knocked out. <laughs> they, they're doing all that talking. They just yapping and they, da, 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 and they just. Psh. <laughs> I love seeing that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's really because they doubted what they said. Yeah. A lot of trying. A lot of times people try to say stuff. They speak bowls of faith, bold words of faith. They try to say it. God's going to supply it. God's going to do it. But in their heart, they're doubting. So if you doubt it in your heart, if you say, by stripes, I'm healed, but you don't really believe it, then it ain't going to work for you. And so when Jesus said to the fig tree, be cursed and nobody's going to eat from you again, guess what? He didn't think about it again. Said it and kept it moving. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all ought to be that way in your own life. You feel some pain in your knee, let by stripes, I'm healed, then move on. The devil going to say, I think you feel something. No, I don't feel nothing because I'm already healed. Then all of a sudden, then your mind starts to change because of what's going on. Your faith that's on the inside is spoken without any doubt. And so he says, I tell you, whosoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart at all, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So you'll get it if you really believe it. Next verse. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust and be confident. Let me tell you a little... uh, Kind of like a little asterisk. If you are going to pray for something, believe it first before you pray. If you don't believe, don't pray. Instead, pray for God to help your unbelief. Y'all got that? So don't pray for something you don't even believe you're going to do it. You're going to say, uh, well, Lord, help my unbelief 
because I know I should believe that you're going to do that and I want to pray in faith, but help my unbelief because I'm already doubting before I even finish the prayer. And so whatsoever you ask in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that is granted. Next verse. And uh, and to you and you will get it. Now, Now here's another key. Next verse. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, Y'all, y'all see this? You didn't even know this was a key to your prayers being answered. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it, let it go in order that your father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Because basically... If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings or shortcomings. So what does this mean? What if I want to go to God and I want to pray to him for healing? What he's telling us in this scripture, before you go pray for healing, go ahead and forgive your sister that you just got mad at. Huh? Oh, no, no, see, because she hurt me bad. Okay, well, don't ask me for no healing today. Y'all okay with this? So if you got something against anyone, because what happens is offense disables faith. So I've counseled people. I've tried to help them. I said, hey, listen, you're going to have to forgive your ex-husband. Oh, no, yeah, then I said, I'm a... Yeah, you know, God, I know he can work miracles. He does, but she, um, see, that's why you're not getting your money. Huh? No, that's why you're not getting healed. That's why you still got that same old problem. Now they get mad at me and want to leave the church. Because I told them what God said. You, you still mad at your ex-husband or ex-wife or Edward, whatever. You mad at them. Upset, offended, you're mad at your coworkers. Come on, they talked about me, and they said, and you all running around with attitude because of what somebody else did to you, and you're not getting your prayers answered. And you wonder, what's going on? I'm not getting my stuff. I just, did you guys not hear me when I said, before you go pray, if you have ought against any, forgive them, let it go, drop it. And that way, you'll be forgiven. But your prayers won't be hindered. Amen? And so, what are we? We are people of faith. We are people of faith. That's why y'all stayed here this long. Amen? Today. Amen? Praise the Lord. Even though it's still only 12.05. Amen? Clap for Jesus. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Amen? Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus for meeting us here today. We thank you for the power of your truth. We stand on it. We're going to live by it. We know that we are a people of faith. And a people of faith don't change. We don't decide that we're not going to believe this anymore. We're going to keep believing this until we wake up in heaven one day. And I praise you and honor you for empowering us to do that. I pray right now for... Uh, anyone that is here or maybe watching online that does not know Jesus as Lord, this is where this all starts for you. Just step in there. Let him do it. Let him take over your life. Let him have his way. And you're going to see that your life is going to be way better than it could have ever been on your own.
but you must give it away. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. He says, if anyone would open, I'd come in and dine with them. So if that's you and you're in this place or maybe online, you don't know Jesus, wave your hand. I'll see it. I won't see it online, but the Holy Ghost will see it. And God will come in. Let's pray. Church, repeat this prayer so that anyone who hears this message will know how to receive Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me. Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I commit my life into your hands. This day, I am saved. Do with me as you please. And fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen.